This is VOA News in Washington. I'm Jeff Custer. U.S. officials say American military C-130 cargo planes Saturday airdropped food and aid pallets over Gaza. It comes two days after more than 100 Palestinians seeking humanitarian aid from a convoy were killed during a chaotic encounter with Israeli troops. The U.S. officials said the planes from U.S. Air Force's Central dropped 66 bundles containing about 38,000 meals into Gaza. The airdrop is expected to be the first of many announced by U.S. President Joe Biden Friday. Speaking to reporters at the White House, National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said the airdrops came about after consultations with Israel. We obviously have been talking to our Israeli counterparts about this. This is not going to come as a surprise to them. In fact, they did one themselves a week or so ago, and um, uh, and certainly we were we were mindful of that. They they kept us informed. So no surprise to the Israelis that we're doing this. Distribution of the aid will be coordinated with Jordan, which has also conducted airdrops to deliver food to Gaza. Meanwhile, Israeli airstrikes Saturday killed seven Hezbollah members in Lebanon. AP correspondent Mimi Montgomery reports. Lebanese state media and officials say an Israeli drone strike hitting a car in the country's south killed three members of the militant group Hezbollah. And security officials say another four Hezbollah members were killed in a separate strike on a house. In a statement, the Israeli military says it attacked a vehicle carrying a number of terrorists who had launched rockets into Israeli territory. It claims the militants operated under the Imam Hussein division, which is affiliated with Iran and operates under Hezbollah. The Lebanese militant group has traded fire with Israeli forces along the border near daily since the beginning of Israel's war on its ally Hamas. I'm Mimi Montgomery. You'll find more on this and all the stories we're covering today on our website, voanews.com. This is VOA News. A group of 31 members of U.S. of the U.S. Congress recently signed a letter to President Joe Biden and Secretary of State Antony Blinken urging them not to recognize a new government in Pakistan until an investigation into allegations of election interference have been conducted. Independent reports from Pakistan indicate many political leaders and activists were arrested in the weeks leading up to the February 8th election. Pakistan authorities reportedly blocked mobile phone service on Election Day, caused cases of violence reported, and there was an unusual delay in issuing the election results, all leading to accusations that the vote was rigged. Author of the letter, U.S. Texas Democratic Congressman Greg Kissar, spoke with VOA's Urdu service and insisted the action is not about meddling in Pakistan's internal politics, but about human rights. The United States sends significant military aid to Pakistan and to other countries. And we have very clear laws that that aid is contingent on human rights being respected, free speech being respected. We do not want United States taxpayer dollars to go to militaries that then use that money to incarcerate journalists or suppress free speech or suppress political parties. The U.S. presidential election season continues Saturday with Republicans choosing delegates in several states. AP correspondent Julie Walker reports. More delegates are up for grabs Saturday as former President Trump looks to get closer to clinching the Republican nomination and former two-time South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley seeks her first win. Trump is expected to add to his delegate lead in Republican caucuses in Idaho and Missouri, as well as a party convention in Michigan. There are no Democratic contests on Saturday. That comes in May. On Sunday, the GOP caucuses in Washington, D.C., and then comes Super Tuesday, the largest day of voting of the year outside of the November election. Trump is on track to lock up the nomination days later. I'm Julie Walker. 
The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Friday formally updated its guidelines for isolation after testing positive for COVID, reducing its isolation period from 5 to 24 hours. But one health official at Brown's University School of Public Health says that raises some concerns, as AP correspondent Sadra Magani reports. Director Jennifer Nuzzo says the science has not changed as to how long people with COVID-19 are contagious. While Nuzzo understands the rationale for changing the guidelines, she fears they'll put pressure on those who test positive. My biggest worry in all of this is that employers will take this change in guidance to uh, require employees to come back to work after they've discovered that they're infected before they are ready to, before uh, they feel well enough to do that and um, before they are not likely to pose harm to their coworkers. In Washington, I'm Jeff Custer. This is the OA News.